Hello, and welcome to Everything Remade, a podcast that I hope is about growth as much as it is about music. I'm Sean Decker, and I'd like you to hear something. You're hearing Enjoy Your Life by Algie Bloom, featuring my pal Matt Taylor on guitar and vocals. I was lucky enough to meet Matt in person a few years ago in Germany, playing Mr. Stars Fest. What a great time that was. So I was born in Norwich in the UK. Uh, parents were uh, divorced for as long as I can remember, but really, other than that, it was, you know, stable. There's a stable family unit on either side. So uh, in a lot of ways, I had a very normal upbringing. I just had sort of two of them at the same time, really. Um, you know, I was the, the eldest of, I've got uh, a sister and two brothers uh, who are all a, a few years younger than me. It felt like a big age gap between us at the time uh you know when when we were kids because you know they're all about um about like 10 years younger than me give or take um but no the 10 years that's not right i think it's six or seven years um but yeah but we're all really tight now yeah <clears throat> yeah now that everyone's like sort of like in adulthood and stuff or nearing yeah yeah we're just we're all like you know either in our 20s now or, or they're you know, close to being in their 20s yeah um so yeah the, the gap just narrows and you realize that you're just sort of all adults together and it's like you know i'm not 18 and they're 12 anymore which is like a pretty stark difference yeah yeah i, I mean i don't know like uh i have i have siblings that range from like um a year older than me to like like 20 years younger so it's kind of, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah it's it's wild but i mean yeah that's like my family tree is very complicated so that that's reflective of that but um anyway yeah um so when you were growing up uh was there was there a lot of music in the house did you folks um like did either one of them or or like both uh did they did they listen to a lot of music not hugely, no. My mum's really not uh, especially interested in music at all. My dad is uh, up to a point. He's, he was uh, quite formative, actually, with a lot of the stuff. That, like, so, I, you know, the earliest music uh, I ever really remember hearing is what he would show me in, like, long drives in the car, um, sort of running me, you know, back and forth from my mum's house. So that would always be, like, he was really into grunge. Um, so we'd, I'd listen to, like, a lot of Nirvana and Pearl Jam as being, like, the earliest music. I, well, that, that and the Beatles, uh, which I'm sure the Beatles is, like, everyone's first music I remember hearing, it feels like. Um, but, yeah, it was stuff like that, you know, this is really talking about being, like, three or four years old, and this is, like, the first music I ever remember yeah. <laughs> sort of listening to. Um, I remember specifically being, must have been about four years old and, and sort of running into my mum's house and asking her if she had Pearl Jam. Um, 
and she was really confused and said that we have strawberry jam. <laughs> that's awesome yeah what is yeah, pearl what do they make it from uh, pearls mom yeah, literally. Like grind them up or something <laughs> no, yeah expensive <laughs> that's amazing what song was it that had you hooked where you ran in the house like that and you're like was it jeremy uh no actually it was um jeremy was the the one that my dad very quickly uh turned the volume down when they say fuck in it oh. um, i remember that as being like that had a bit of an appeal to it because it's you know i didn't i couldn't get control of the things so i was like why is he why is he turned down the volume on oh, this, yeah. this one little bit um no i think it was it must have been alive like i think that it was it was always just the, the album 10 um but yeah. that track just like yeah that, that was that was the one forever yeah yeah yeah, for sure. That's it's really funny. Like, you know, there was always with that track with Jeremy, there was always like the, um, the like if you heard it on the radio, there was always the possibility that the DJ might sneak it past the censor or something, <laughs> you know? So it was like you, you were listening with like bated breath, like, like, well, will. will Will they get to say fuck on the radio or, or, uh, (laughs) are they paying attention? Yeah. Let it it go. Yeah, exactly. And that's, you know, um, maybe like just barely like predating like some of the, um, radio editing technology that, you know, made that kind of thing like, uh, so much easier or whatever. But that's, it's really funny. I mean, I can very specifically remember like, more than once like listening and 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 the word slipping through and just just you feel like it's some kind of victory or something it's really corny but... yeah, literally. <laughs> what, what makes a song more attractive than that like when you're a kid as well <laughs> right 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 it's like uh you know lots of lots of stories about uh people um who would uh you know listen like st- they'd be up after they're supposed to be asleep and li- listen to their parents curse. Like that's something that, yeah. that, uh, my friends and I used to talk about when we were kids, corny, but funny. Um, yeah. Um, so like, wh- what about, um, like in school and stuff, um, did, did you play instruments in school with like, um, you know, over in the States, there's a certain, a lot of states, not all, um, obviously, but um, there's a certain compulsory like uh, requirement to be in either like a chorus or a music class of some kind. Did you have any um, like elementary education in music? Not really at all. No. So we have, uh, you know, music is part of the curriculum. Like you have an hour of music a week, but you'd find uh, with a lot of us, and I was it's kind of weird to think back on that i was like this really but people kind of avoidant of like learning anything musical like we're you know a music class for us would be sort of all stood around like two people to a keyboard and you're supposed to play something there and, and really here it's just like people put the sound effects on um there's a, a button on on all keyboards and it's dj <laughs> dj yeah, and, yeah and the whole class is just yeah people pressing that button you know um so yeah music for me was uh i was 13 when i started playing guitar but prior to that like, i had no interest whatsoever i was offered uh guitar lessons where i must have been probably about 10 or something i think when i was still you know really showing like a keen interest in music like listening to music um and you know i just heard the word lessons and uh, i thought you know i have enough of those at school the last thing i want to do is get lessons in something i would you know obviously yeah. wish i'd taken it up earlier i'd have an extra three years of guitar under my belt but uh, yeah really avoided 
music as much as possible playing it when I was a kid. Yeah. You said around 10, though, that you start, like, showing a lot more interest in listening, like, um, I, I guess, like, independently or whatever. Um, what, how did that, like, how did that path get started? Like, what specifically, you know, came alive in you at that point where you started, like, listening on your own instead of just, like, when it was on or whatever? I think uh, it's probably things I was interested in at the time. Like, I was super into wrestling as a kid, um, and and sort of music is, like, foregrounded in that in a big way. Like, there'll always be, like, you know, you watch a show or something, it's got, like, a theme song. Um, and it just so happened that, you know, for the time period that it was sort of early 2000s, it was all, like, new metal and uh, sort of dodgy, like, post-grunge and things, which just to a kid was, like, the cool, you know, if you're talking about uh, sneaking the word fuck into Jeremy, like hearing, like, uh, Limp Bizkit or something like that was <laughs> mind-blowing to my, my you know, child brain. And it was just, I was absolutely hooked uh, on that kind of thing. Like, most of it's absolutely terrible. Um, but, yeah, it just, it was exactly what I wanted at, at that time period. So then it was sort of, like, tracking down CDs by myself and, you know, probably think the first things I got really into around that age was like, yeah, Limp Bizkit, um, like System of a Down as well was like big one. All those bands like Linkin Park and things as well, just all sort of the music of the early 2000s. Um, and yeah, that was just like, that is, it, I was letting, like my dad liked some of that stuff. So I was sort of, I, I was able to get a hold of it. Um, but at the same time, it still felt like that little bit rebellious and, and that's what you want really, isn't it? <laughs> just like to push back against the parents a little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Now, like, um, I think you're the first person that's brought up wrestling on the podcast, which is, uh, it's, it's surprising to me. Um, but, um, I, yeah, surprised. yeah, yeah. Cause I, cause like, I know a lot of folks that are really into wrestling. I, when I was a kid, uh, my cousins and I, we watched wrestling when, when I'd be at my cousins on the weekend or whatever. Uh, this is, and I don't want to date myself too much by saying this, but it's like, <laughs> yeah, when, when I was watching wrestling, was, I mean, we're talking about like the old school uh, stuff uh, when I was like real young, um, you know, and uh, like Ultimate Warrior and shit, you know, those, those oh, old, yeah, old like, guys, first, first uh, generation. Or, years, yeah. Or, yeah, I guess that would probably be like first generation of wrestlemanias and stuff um but wh who was like who was your favorite and like what what were the big like wrestlers when you were watching uh so uh, when, i mean this is a funny one because like when i was watching wasn't really a good time for wrestling because this was like sort of 2004 so it was uh, a lot of like big guys had gone away um and it was a bit of a, a glut of uh, not a glut the opposite of that it was like a sort of a lack of big names so i i was quite into watching uh wrestling from like the 90s um especially because it'd be like you know i sort of you find like videotapes of of older wrestling that was like easy to get a hold of um so i was I absolutely obsessed with uh mick foley mankind okay. uh he was my favorite wrestler by a long way and he was like uh, basically my childhood icon actually <laughs> a birthday cake with a, with a picture of him on more than once That's um awesome. i never never got to meet the guy he's like he does um sort of stand-up comedy now basically and, and tours around I, I keep meaning at some point when it comes to the uk i'll like just to just to tick off that you know i've met my uh childhood hero yeah <laughs> i'll get around to that eventually yeah yeah I, like it's 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 weird like i can't say like from um 
experience like because i you know i really checked out of of wrestling um like after you know that that sort of like initial area era rather you know jake the snake mm. roberts uh uh randy savage hulk hogan ultimate warrior andre the giant you know and all that um but yeah. it's like it, it felt like it felt like you know with some exceptions that a lot of the really boisterous like not personalities but like costumes and stuff like some of the flair like led way to just a more like a, a more like raw like i'm a badass kind of like um presentation you know what i mean um yeah, oh absolutely yeah and yeah, i think everyone's thing is is now using their own name isn't it and like looking like i'm just like a cool tough guy yeah but, you know that's not a character like it's yeah. not, you can't all do that i feel like that's sort of turning around again now though and some of the stuff like i'll see my friends post stuff on on ig and stuff and i i feel like i'm seeing like more fringe uh elements of the of that like show showmanship like the the wild costumes and the you know and stuff like that so that that's that's really cool um i don't know if if you you know um, follow any of that stuff any longer, but yeah, I don't, I don't know. I mean, like, it's no surprise, like, you know, to me now why I like resonated with like someone like the ultimate warrior who had like pink and then like all these neon color, like, uh, you know, streamers hanging from his arms, you know, <laughs> it's like, it's not a, it's not a mystery to me now. Like, yeah, but it's uh it's wild like just the stark uh reality like the differences between characters like that and then like sting who came like just yeah after. no you know no disrespect to to you know that character like and people that like that i that's that just wasn't my thing and that was such a different you know um a different uh way to way to go about about that whole thing um <clears throat> Yeah, it's um, interesting to me that uh, you sort of you know what you were drawn to is like the the big sort of loud, colourful character. Because for me, if I think about like uh, mankind as being sort of my like childhood hero or whatever, his whole thing is being a kind of um, you know he's the kind of like outsider, sort of misunderstood, like weirdo, I guess. And and that as you know a kid, that that was the thing that I was like drawn to is as feeling relatable. I guess it who you pick sort of reflects on you a lot, doesn't it? And yeah. says a lot about how you felt at that time yeah well were there any like at the time when you know uh that was your favorite character were there characters that were the sort of the antithesis of that like were there like bright brightly colored and like loud um characters that were sort of like the opposite obviously there's like <clears throat> characters that are the opposite in sort of like presentation there's always like a a boisterous you know, um, personality that's like all mouth, you know, that's sort of the wrestling stick, you know, but, um, yeah, no, I think, I think colorful and like that kind of jubilant kind of out there, you know, there's loud characters, but, but to be kind of out there in this really like cartoonish way was definitely like not a big thing of it when I was a kid, right. even if a lot of it was still completely ridiculous because it, it's wrestling. So of course right. it's ridiculous. It's the whole right. point, you know, that's why it's fun. But yeah. it was, it was trying to take itself a bit seriously and, and be all adult 
And yeah. uh, thankfully, it's sort of, it's not really like that so much these days. Yeah, yeah. Especially, you know, I mean, there's so much, there's so many, like, um, different, uh, like, organizations and stuff, you know? So, like, if, <clears throat> if, uh, if one organization doesn't have something that people want, they'll find it somewhere else. And that kind of, like, that kind of um, diversity in entertainment is, like, um, infectious. You know, like, uh, they can't, like, if somebody's looking at, like, some other um, group that's getting popular, and they're like, why Why do people like this? Like, why? what do we do to make our, like, viewership or, you know, our fan base or whatever grow, then like oh it's because of a character like this then that that uh organization is going to get a character like that you know or um whereas like i probably even like when you're a kid like it was really like one or two organizations that were like i mean that was it you know that's what you could watch. yeah it was, it was literally just one for for when i was a kid yeah like, I was, was it, it sort of finished yeah i was i was thinking it probably was still that way um but i you know i don't like I haven't followed it as closely. Like now you can. I mean, I see my friends post everything from like it's like twenty people in a backyard to like a bunch of you know people in a stadium. Like obviously before you know all this stuff. But um, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Uh, uh, sorry to go on that uh, fifteen minutes. Um, <laughs> oh, no, it's cool. <laughs> uh, aside there, uh, and and you know some people that follow wrestling. Um, you know, y'all can, y'all can at me, y'all can say that I'm wrong about this stuff, you know, that's, like I said, I haven't followed it that closely, um, I was a big fan when I was a kid, though, um, but yeah, so you, you know, you passed up the guitar lessons at 10, but you said you start playing, uh, around 13, um, so how did you, what was it that you were finally like, um, okay, I want to get a guitar, and I'm going to I'm gonna do this. Like, was it kids at school that you were just, like, start talking about, oh, we're going to play in a band, or was it, you know, was there something specifically that, like, made your mind up? Well, I, I, I think around that point, so this was, like, sort of just getting into early high school, so there's, you know, mixing with kids from other schools and, and kids who are a bit older, and some of them play guitar, and that seemed pretty cool. Uh, mostly it was just, like, so my, you know, interest in, uh, my earlier interest in like new metal and stuff had just evolved into into being really obsessed with uh, metal. Um, it's kind of an embarrassing uh, influence, especially well, uh, troublesome influence at this point. But like uh, when I was twelve or thirteen, I was getting really into Pantera, um, and there's this whole like death cult around uh, the guitarist uh, Dimebag Darrell, uh -huh. and so it was the first time where I found myself like sort of listening to a band and being obsessed about a band specifically because of the guitarist because you know because of this sort of as i say this massive cult that sort of developed around him so i'm listening to this band at this point and paying attention to the guitarist more than anything else i think when i was a kid um i liked the idea of like singing in a band was something that i sort of always fantasized about even though i, I couldn't sing so i don't know you know where i thought that was going to come from but i pictured myself as the lead singer uh, and this is the first time point where it was i picture myself as the guitarist i want to do what this guy did um and and that seemed at the time like you know that's something i could actually try and do um and then it was just getting a guitar from there and you know 
rest is history, really. Yeah. Did you get a flying V? I, yeah, <laughs> not straight away, but I, yeah, I had a, a ridiculous thing. You know, the Randy Rhodes, like, uh, flying V that's like one really long horn and one really short one. It's really, it balances oh, yeah. horribly on a strap. And it's like, it's so impractical to use. I got that when I was about 15. Oh, um, my God. And just thought, like, that was the coolest thing ever. Yeah. Um, it did not get it did not get a lot of use. I'll be honest. Pretty quickly, I realized that was just a, a ridiculous, terrible idea. Yeah, I can't um, imagine no, being I, fifteen and trying to handle that monster. Just like it was so big, it was so much bigger than me as well. I was a small kid, like yeah, you know, I'm not a tall guy, and I was a really small kid. And uh, yeah, it just must have looked completely ridiculous. <laughs> yeah, it had to be ridiculously unwieldy. Yeah, just. Um, I mean, you know, I hope you had some photos with it though, just just for the memories. But um, oh yeah, no, there's definitely awful pictures. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I wasn't playing in bands at this point or anything. Uh -huh. so there's no pictures like that. But yeah. I'm sure there's like pictures of me, you know, taken in the mirror posing with my guitar. I hope they're all gone. To be honest, pretty <laughs> <laughs> embarrassing. That's funny. Uh, I I um my first guitar was a. Uh, bc rich warlock so like oh so um, good yeah but they're they're actually not i mean they're very they're very manageable you know even for a smaller person like myself um but uh yeah it it um it was it it was stolen in a warehouse like theft when i was like a bit older but um oh, yeah man. i i wish i still had that guitar uh i actually you know I don't, I don't know, cause I can't, uh, you know, I don't, I didn't have the night, I didn't have the ear for it then, you know, but like the recordings that I played it on, that I like the bands are horrible, you know, but like I'm like, this guitar sounded pretty good, like in in these recordings. So could have just been the engineer did a good job, um, or the guitar actually had a little, you know, those guitars might have a little bit of. I've never come across one for like. Isn't it? Is it time to bucks. bring it back? Are you gonna? Yeah, that's what I'm gonna saying. Play it with, I want to see you. I want to see you playing with Koma on a on a DC Rich. <laughs> I'm like a Warbeast or something. Yeah, that rule. Um, yeah, but it's at, you know an, another guitar that I had that time. I had, you know, that was my first guitar, and when, and I was homeless at the time that uh, that um, it it was stolen. So all of my gear was in this warehouse space, you know, so I had that and I had a, a, uh, a, um, Jackson, um, dinky. And, uh, oh, nice. I actually got to play one of those, like, since I've known a little bit about like what guitar should play like and sound like and stuff. And that's been one of my, like, Ooh, if I find one of these, like at a decent price and, and, and I have the, means at the time like that's been one of the ones when i'm like oh i, I really kind of want another one of those um because i the last time when i played one i felt like everything i was playing was so easy like mm. I, you know it it just like felt the action was so good it felt so nice but um yeah um so when you got a guitar how did you start like to learn how to play, you know, you, you passed on the lessons earlier. Um, were you able to get like lessons at that point or did you, um, did you have friends that were teaching you things or did you, you know, go straight to, I'm not even sure at that, at that time, how much 
would have been available on like YouTube or whatever? So like YouTube and stuff, this was, I mean, this is uh, early YouTube, really. What what mm. we did have at that point was uh, Ultimate Guitar Tabs. Um, and that website was just like the, the place I spent all my time. Like my, my learning guitar was quite a solitary thing. I sort of was quite, I don't know why I like, embarrassed at my sort of lack of ability for a really long time. It wasn't, I didn't, I kind of regret it. Like I didn't sort of picture, you know, oh, I've, I've learned three chords. Cool. I can now I can start a band and like, I'm ready to go. It was like something I sort of studied in private for a really long time before I thought to do anything with it. Um, and equally, you know, I didn't really go to other people around me who I think probably could have shown me a thing or two and, and shown me interesting stuff. Like it was just very much something I did by myself and just, learn songs really until i could play i wish i'd taken lessons it would have i had to teach myself theory things in such like a, a backwards way and there's so many things that would have just saved me an incredible amount of time that you know would have skipped me ahead to where i wanted to be uh if i just had someone who could have sort of taken a look at what i was doing and said you know don't don't do that just do it slightly differently you got the right idea but you know add this or get rid of that um and you know i'd have got good I don't know if I ever got good, but I'd have, I'd have got good a lot quicker. That's the way I feel about drums. Like I'm always like, I'm always like, like if I am on tour, I'm always like with the drummer. I'm always like asking all these questions that, like, because I feel like my ability is, you know, fine. I I wouldn't say like I'm good, you know, but I feel like my ability is fine. And so mm. there's this aspect to that where people think that because you're capable of doing what you're doing that that you're good you know like you that like good as in um you're not looking for advice or that you're not or that you're comfortable with your how you're learning and etc but i'm always the yeah. first that's like i'm like so uh, like i i ask really what i feel like are really dumb questions you know and um it's because i I don't know anything about drums like at all. And I'm like, <laughs> you know, I'm, I want somebody to say, you know, well, the way you sit down at the drums is all wrong and it's making it harder for yourself. And that sounds kind of like the same thing you're talking about where like, I feel like if I spent, you know, some time with the, you know, right people, I, I, I just like jump ahead of where I'm at now because I've been making it harder for myself, you know, like, yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's really weird because, you know, sometimes it's like when you play with people and then you'll ask like, Oh, well how, you know, and people will just tell you like, 
oh no, you're good. Like you really just have to just do it the way you like to do it. And it's like, okay, I get that to an extent, but also there's like, there's like an ergonomics to these things, you know, just like the way you pick a guitar, um, the way you hold your hand on the back of the neck, you know, there's like things that are sort of principle to it that, you know, I still don't know. And, and, uh, I mean, that's, you know, that's super interesting to think about when, like, you've recorded a shitload of songs, too, you know, but it's like, yeah, I've recorded a shitload of songs. I have no idea what I'm doing. Um, so, <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, you know, just go for it, I guess, you know. Um, well, I think, like, you know, with that thing of, of trying to get advice from other people, the thing that's sort of closest to learning a new instrument that I've done recently is I've been learning to skateboard over the last year. And what I've tried to do with that is, like, but every time with guitar or with, you know, uh, bass or uh, keyboards or whatever other instruments I play, for every time with that where I would sort of like not ask someone the question and I would just, you know, I'll just do it by myself and, uh, you know, I'll get there eventually. Like with skateboarding, I've tried to force myself to always skate with people who are better than me, who are, who are at least like one or two steps ahead of me so they can constantly be, you know, doing like you were talking about, to correct the fundamentals, correct the ergonomics of like, because it's so, with skateboarding, it's so physical that it'll just be someone can look at what i'm trying to do that's not working and they'll say well you know if you just move your left foot back like two inches you're going to find this so much easier and you you do and it and it is and it's like well now i've had that experience like i need this constantly i always need someone to be there to just like give you that little bit of guidance and it's, it's just getting over being you know feeling embarrassed to ask for help or to sort of feeling embarrassed to admit that you're like new to something i don't know why it's such a feeling that you just you want to do something and feel like you're really good at it and it's like embarrassing to just be earnestly interested in something but not very good at it um yeah but like that's such like an embarrassment that i have that i'm just trying as hard as possible to like fight against that and uh, and just yeah ask for help wherever i can yeah well i mean it's it's you know it's like this accomplishment culture or whatever you know like somebody's always it's like, I did this on my own. I, I was the first to do this. I was, we're the, you know, we're the biggest, we're the whatever, you know? And it's like, mm. it's made it, you know, it's made it hard for people to, like you said, like ask for guidance. It, it's made for made it hard for people to uh, relish in their accomplishments, no matter like how small they are or how, you know, how even to some people they can have like, huge accomplishments and just it can be hard for them to like savor that because it it's like there could still be a bigger one you know and so it like it goes I mean I feel like it infects like every aspect of folks lives you know and it just makes it to yeah. where it's just like I mean for me personally it's just like like to just like over this last year or whatever I've just trying to get to a point where I will just go, I'll go out in my yard with a comic book and I'll just try to just sit there and just read this comic book and not think about anything else and just do this and not feel that like, well, I'm meant to be doing this other thing or I have these deadlines or, you know what I mean? Like, like that. Yeah, completely. That aspect of this, like, you know, the that culture of like accomplishment and whatever is like so infectious like you're just eating dinner 
and you're, you're supposed to just be eating dinner and just like relaxing, but you're not. You're like working out problems in your head, you know, or or planning the rest of your day. And it's uh, yeah. So um, you know, this is like the self help episode of uh, <laughs> of the show where we where we're trying to say that it's okay to uh, ask for help and it's cool to uh, give yourself a break and all that stuff. Um, I've been, you know, working on that. But uh, um, yeah, so once you did like start playing, um, you said you like you took a lot of time to where you got enough confidence in your abilities to like sort of, I guess, take the next step. Um, How did you like end up playing in your first band? So uh, I did, I say like it took me a long time to to play in a band, but like prior to doing that, I did a lot of music by myself, kind of a really bad amateurish version of what I do now with a lot of like little projects that I do. But in some ways, like not that different, to be honest. It's just that, you know, the fidelity is a bit better now and I sort of know how to record myself, but it's the same kind of thing. So I like throughout my teenage years, um, by myself and with uh, uh, my friend Josh, we sort of did a lot of weird little projects together that you know never were going to be made to perform live or anything like that. Um, then the, the first band was when I was in uh, sort of the very end of high school. Um, we decided to start a, a hardcore band. Um, just I think off the back that like we we sort of realised around this time. It's weird that this is sort of something you have to realise, but we sort of realised that there was like a local music scene and there was actually like really cool bands doing stuff in our city. And, and we just had never, you know, realized that there was sort of, I don't know why we didn't know this, but that there was gigs going on in small venues that, you know, 20 people would go to and you didn't just have to wait for like a big touring band to come through. Um, and as soon as we realized that, and it was just like normal people doing bands, uh, then it was, yeah, we, you know, we should do this ourselves. Um, so the idea was floated, uh, and we did a, uh, a little five-person hardcore band. It was this was in 2010, I want to say. Uh, there was a big trend. I don't know if this was a trend everywhere, but uh, there was a trend for having a hardcore band with two vocalists, uh, like like two vocalists who only do vocals, mm-hmm. which is just so indulgent. I think like it's so, especially with you know, having five members and then two of them are literally just running around on stage doing vocals. <laughs> uh, but it was so you know it was, it was like the trend at the time, and it was really fun. Um, so we did that for a couple of years. Now you say hardcore, like, do you mean like, um, kid dynamite and stuff? Or do you, or do you mean like how every band back in the nineties was a hardcore band? Like, you know, <laughs> well, yeah, it, yeah. I'm using that term very loosely. Cause we, we had that band like went through a few different phases and, and I guess that it was always informed by like, you know, we wanted to have the like aesthetic of a hardcore battle, like, the aesthetic of a hardcore show i you know the, the like how we were on stage and it was a lot of you know the singers <laughs> throwing themselves on the ground and yeah, uh, just that yeah. kind of thing yeah. but like the sound of it was like to begin with it was it was like um converge if like none of them were actually good at their instruments <laughs> like you know how someone who was like you know so i i think about this quite a lot uh, converge is like a band that i have like it's such a long history with I, I found them when i was 12 really weirdly um through through wrestling actually in a weird 
sort of chain of events that led me from that up to uh, Converge. But that was like, you know, I remember being 12 listening to that and being like, well, this is this is unlistenable. This is quite literally just noise. Um, but there was a band that stayed with me for, you know, up until now, I've literally, I've got Converge poster on the wall in the room I'm in right now. Um, and yeah, like if if they actually were how they sounded to me when I was 12, like <laughs> just a complete mess of noise that's that was us that was what we did um and then it sort of it nailed down to being like more of a like a better version of that kind of thing um so it was a very like hard-edged kind of uh you know metallic hardcore kind of thing for a while um and then that we only did that band for about a year and a half but by the end of it uh i was sort of starting to get into emo and uh, all the sort of what emo was sounding like at that time period so we started sort of playing in open tunings and, and mixing that into the band uh this was really like the dying days of it it never did much uh never played outside of our own city you know this was like a real small thing um but that was yeah we started sort of experimenting with something that was just like a kind of a a, a hard emo band i guess like almost um almost kind of like a revolution summer sort of thing even though we'd never heard of that and we weren't doing that intentionally it was it was that kind of vibe it was heading towards yeah yeah it was just like the i mean it's it's kind of a lot of a lot of bands like sort of followed that uh progression you know over over time like going from like these metallic hardcore bands and then hearing like that kind of stuff and then you know um like trying to have a band that sounded like a mix of both um yeah, yeah. i think our trajectory was like um you know uh unwound like if if you did that really really badly and <laughs> way fewer albums and just generally put you know a fraction of the amount of care that they put into theirs like if you take all of that stuff out we we sort of had a, the same trajectory as that. <laughs> exactly the same just just that, <laughs> just all that um yeah, it's it's wild though. Like, you know, you said that that was a thing in in uh, twenty ten to have two vocalists, and I was thinking like, yeah, that's that's um right around two thousand for the states was like every band had two vocals like, and it and it's you know you you'd show up and and it's like there's it was almost just like. There was one person that did like the majority of the vocals, and then there was another person that just like sort of started shit, like not yeah. not, not in a yeah. bad way, you know, just but just like was was the 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 band like antagonizer. It was, it was the per the other person was the person that fell on the floor and bumped into the other band members and jumped off of stuff, and you know, <laughs> but uh, I don't know. I I was. Uh, I was one of those people in uh, 2000. Oh, so good. Yeah. Um, I was the one that actually did all the vocals, though, and the other person was the one that was supposed to start all the shit. But, um, <laughs> yeah. Um, but, um, yeah, so, like, you said you were playing shows, like, but just in your town at that point. Um, what was your first show like? And, like, how did, you know, how did you think it was going to be to play a show like at that age, you're just like, you must have it like really this really high expectation. And then like, how did playing your first show, like meet that expectation? So our first show with that band, I'm just like, it's running through my head. What a ridiculous story it is. Our first show we played 
uh, in our school um, one lunchtime. So there was a, a building which was uh, like a bungalow on the on the sort of corner of the school grounds, which was a, a music practice area, and people had you know violin lessons in there and things like that. But largely, especially at lunchtimes, it was sort of empty, and it had a drum kit in it, and it had amps and stuff like that. So I guess we. Uh, I was really like so. I was talking about like converge and stuff being like an early influence i think i was really into uh like bands that you'd so like the chariot was one where you'd always see a video and it'd just be them like you know playing a house show but it would be like a house show where like all of the band ended up on like the roof of the house and they were like you know mm. diving off like the roof and that's all these like completely absurd and also i had the um i still have the the converge uh it was called like, the long road home uh dvd that's like got all of their early shows on it again this was them you know playing in just like a room that could fit like five people in it and uh you know it was just all the weird like house show locations so we were we wanted to do that a lot and then it came to be that you know for whatever reason we we were just like we'll we'll play a show like in school we won't tell anyone about it uh and we'll just get all these people to like you know over lunchtime sort of coalesce in this room um, we just like tore the place apart. It was absolutely <laughs> ridiculous. It was it was it was so bad, you know. Like, sound was absolutely terrible because we were just of the mindset of like, let's just put everything on the amp to ten, and uh, you know that'll mean it's louder, right? If you put everything on ten, like we didn't think <laughs> about like sculpting a guitar tone or anything, or that like you know if I if I have lots of treble, but I bring the bass down, you might actually be able to hear. The guitar it might cut through it's like no just everything up to 10 just a wall of noise um and it was yeah it was just let's just like start shit and let's just flail around in this room that was like intended for kids violin lessons um <laughs> so as, a, as first shows go we did that we used to do that like once a week i don't know how we never got caught for it like we would have got in so much trouble um but yeah we did that sort of once a week for a little while uh before we played an actual show in a venue which in, in comparison was much worse because it was just like you know, for the kind of like spectacle, messy, sweaty spectacle that we thought was cool at the time that we wanted to put on, like we could not do that in a proper venue. Yeah. Um, so those 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 early shows of just like, you know, everyone just being a mass. Like there's there's videos of it somewhere, and I I've not been able to find them. I've tried recently because I would just love to see that again, like that kind of energy and that that moment of like realizing, you know. Oh, we're doing we're doing that thing that we sort of wanted to do, and it's not even that hard to do it. Yeah, like it's it's suddenly it's just all opens up to you. Like it's the coolest thing in the world. Just realizing, like, you know, we're not good, but we're we're doing it. Like, yeah, that's yeah. amazing. Yeah, and it's it's funny that you you know you you can compare that with your first show. Other than that, because like you really went from a situation where absolutely no one is telling you what to do to like to going somewhere that someone else owns and everyone telling you what to do, like set your amps here and, you know, turn, turn them, you know, possibly even like telling you like volume control stuff and everything like that. Um, yeah, I mean, um, I don't, you know, I don't know if that was your, the case with your first show other than that, but like, yeah, it, no, it completely was the yeah. place that we played, uh, was called the B2 and it was like, it was where, everyone's high school bands like would play their first show so you, you very much got the feeling that like the sound guy there had the worst job in the world like dealing with <laughs> all these kids who have like 
never played a show before, don't know any of the sort of conventions, don't want to take direction, you know, because everyone sort of playing their show there is like things they know best. And, you know, we were part of that so obnoxious. And, and you know, just it's this little venue. They get there. Most of the kids that they get in can't even buy drinks because we're all underage. You know, we're all like 16, 17 at this point. So the crowd comes in. They're not making any money off drinks like it, mm. it must have just been a nightmare for them and, and felt like a huge waste of time. And then you're dealing with these kind of annoying young teenagers who, who just think they're like really cool playing in their shit hardcore band. They must see that over and over again. And uh, yeah, so, I, you know, I don't I don't blame them for being sort of short with us and, and saying, you know, turn it down and, uh, and please like stay on the stage. Don't get on. Don't get in the crowd. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. But, you know, we weren't we weren't going to listen to that, uh, yeah. which is pretty, pretty stupid. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, you know, like I never really like looked at it this way before, but it's like you said, you know, every this is where everyone played their first show. And like, I'm sure everybody sort of behaved the same way with the first time when they went there and et cetera, et cetera. So it's like kudos to them for like giving young people that space to do that, to, to be obnoxious. Mm. And yeah, of course they're gonna butt heads when they have to. But um, at the end of the day, like you know, you said they're probably not really making a bunch of money doing this. They're just like, you know, like kind of probably uh, partially of the mind that eventually one of these bands is gonna turn into a band that might make them some money with occasional shows there or whatever. But like in the long run. It's just kind of uh, almost like a bordering on community service, you know, just like. That was exactly the phrase yeah. I was going to use. Yeah, yeah it's, it, was, it was a service to everyone there. And, and, and the thing as well was like, I remember feeling that that place must have been there forever. Um, but, you know, I found out later on that actually it, had, it only opened sort of relatively soon before that. And I think about it, so we, we did, you know, we played that show there. But like prior to that, we tried to get shows in venues around the city and, and you know, no one would uh do you know have anything to do with it like they they didn't want to see us we didn't know really about like how to promote your own show or that we could just like put on a, a diy show it was like mm -hmm. we thought that someone else would i don't know be in charge of it or something so we were sort of looking for people to like put us on and you know we you know, we're children we're not going to draw so it's like if this place hadn't been there maybe we wouldn't have got into playing shows and and you know things would have ended up really differently for all of us so it is like the best thing that they could possibly be doing and yeah the fact that they tolerate all of these kids uh is you know it says a lot it says a lot about them really yeah and maybe one of them will yeah I, I don't i'm pretty sure none of the bands that played there have actually gone on to do anything but i bet you know if they keep doing it for long enough one of them is surely gonna It'll, turn into something at uh, 20 years from now It's awesome that you know how you were talking about earlier uh you you know part of your like um part of your process like of learning and um you know getting to where you are like now musically has been uh recording yourself and um like 
you know, you said that your, you know, your capabilities have, uh, improved. And obviously like a lot of that is, uh, just like technology, you know, and just things getting, um, more available and stuff like that. Um, but yeah, like one, one of the things that, you know, I, I've really thought is cool is like, so I really only know you to have like two, maybe like slash three, like actual band, band bands, like, uh, algae bloom obviously is like sort of, I guess, I don't know if you would call that your main band. Um, but that's the band, yeah, that's, definitely. you know, you, you're, what you like probably your main focus and it's the one that's been running the longest etc um and then sylvia north was the sylvia north story was like sort of a a side project for a couple of you in that band and that that uh that was really um that was really like seemed like a really uh a passion project like a it was it seemed like a pretty strong focus but you I, I don't I don't mean to misread what you said, but it kind of seemed like you were putting a timestamp on that. You were like, we're going to do this for this many releases or or if it was an amount of time. I can't remember how you put that, but you you said kind of that that had run its course and that you I, th I believe you said that you had always planned for that to be like a, a finite thing. Um, yeah, so it was it was a weird one because like so what had happened was we we were working on doing at this point uh, would have been the third Algae Bloom album, but we so we did the first two like really close together, and then uh, for about a period of two years, just through a number of different things, like I think at this point Lee was finishing university, training to be a teacher. I was working a lot. We just weren't able to do as much. We did a few releases over that period which is i think they were all just splits um which are you know r really proud of actually all the all the splits we got to do like we, we've the uh, best thing about the band really was like we've been able to do splits with pretty much all of our favorite bands that we like admire the most in the world um but you know other than that like in that period of time we were really struggling to write music so uh with sylvia north we ended up going in with like a completely different uh guitar setup effects out you know just a completely different sound and deciding like just it's still just the two of us so it was fundamentally it was still algae bloom um but we just did a completely different approach to the songwriting and, and we said we're going to write uh four songs today uh and we're going to record them today and however they come out like that is it and that's an ep and we're going to force ourselves to release it um as this kind of like weird exercise just to see what would come out um we, you know, we're really happy with how the first one came out. This is the first point where I was uh, learning to record. Like, really uh, did not know what I was doing at this point. I was doing everything on a an eight track, and it was basically just room recordings. Um, but yeah, we you know we really liked how that came out as this sort of like scrappy little thing. And and we made as we were still sort of working on algae bloom stuff, but we were stuck with it. We decided one practice every month uh, would be yeah, we go in for two or three hours with no material. We write four songs. It always has to be four songs. They get recorded uh, and then they get mixed and, and released. Uh, we did that for six months. So we ended up with, with six EPs in total. And then by the end of that, you know, having previously built up so much anxiety about the fact that we were like 
you know, could, could we still write algae bloom material? Have we run out of ideas? We got to the end of that and we were like, oh, well, we've just written 24 songs uh, and, you know, half of them are pretty cool. So we can probably still write music. Like, and it, and it just sort of, it, it, I think of it as like a, um, like a, you know, a, like a struggling marriage goes on like a one big like holiday to sort of, you know, get the fire back, <laughs> get the spark back. Like this was me and Lee, like we're going to do this little thing and uh, it's going to get the spark back. And it, and it did. And then we um, we wrote a third album after that. And that one came really easily. Um, and I think if we hadn't done Sylvia North, like there's no way we'd have ever got to the point of doing that third album. So yeah. it's like, it's stuff, you know, I think of the 24 songs, I think maybe 12 of them are actually uh, worth listening to. But like, that's still pretty good. You know, 12 songs is, is all right. I'll take that. I mean, I think, you know, I... I enjoyed listening to them as a whole. I don't, I can't tell you like, oh, this song was good or this song was good. You know, like, um, and I kind of feel that way. Like, like, I don't think, I'm not going to say, I'm not going to say that, like, I think that any of Coma Regalia's so songs are bad. Like, I, I wouldn't, you know, but, um, but like, it's it's one of those things where when you're making a set or whatever and you have to listen to songs individually it's tough because i view the songs like i view so many like i've i it's almost like i view one song as part of another song you know what i mean yeah so yeah, like completely. that's why like you know like i like i was saying like i remember enjoying like those releases like as a whole so like when you're saying like half of them were bad, it's like I almost like I wouldn't know exactly which songs you meant if you said so anyway. But like um, it's almost just like if you have one song that's kind of just like it, it's maybe it's just kind of like one idea and it's like it goes for this long. And so you write that off as you're like, oh, that's not that good a song you know, cause it feels unfinished or whatever. Like I, I almost like look at that, like it's part of the next song. So that's why it doesn't register to me as like, you know what I mean? Like it doesn't, yeah, yeah, definitely. It, it's like the, it's like the intro to the next song, you know, or whatever. Like it's so, it, it doesn't like, if there's a song that's so very different from the rest of the material that it like, sits in the middle and it sticks out or whatever then that's like another story you know and usually if someone does that it's for it's for that specific effect but like yeah that's almost why i like um you know i can't i have a really hard time like picking songs for sets you know and because i just i view like things in such a way and that's you know um I've been asked before, like, do you write all the songs at one time? And, you know, the truth is sometimes I do, sometimes I don't, you know, but it's like, yeah, that's why I run into that problem. Like, and it's like, sometimes like, it's like, I don't, you know, I don't know even the names of the songs until I pick them out to put in a set because, you know, I just, the way that I write the songs is just like, they're it's not exactly linear but it's just the way they fit together i don't know um but yeah that um long-winded way of of saying that like 
um, I think like there's something, and I say this like probably way more like people are getting tired of hearing it, but you know, there's something about doing these other projects that, you know, you, you compared it to going on like that, that, uh, lover's trip or whatever together, you know, to respark <laughs> the, the, uh, the marriage or whatever. Um, but there's something about like your projects that you've, um, held dear and then you've had them for longer and stuff where you, you just start holding like things so precious that like, um, you start feeling like you have, we done it all. Like, um, is there, is there still something to this, you know, or whatever and doing these other little side things like it's, it's a fresh start where you, feel like you can't make mistakes you know you're just like you're just doing it yeah and the, the thing with uh, algae bloom i found and you will probably have experienced this as well with with coma um so i'd never had to deal with expectations in any of the music that i'd done before and and i found very quickly uh particularly after doing like the second algae bloom album that you know thinking about doing this third one and thinking like and we're talking small here, but like, you know, we have an audience who have a set of expectations of what they would like the music to sound like. And and that was really limiting for us for a really long time of, of just sort of second guessing everything that we were writing mm -hmm. um, because we were, we were thinking outwardly facing. We weren't thinking about the music, uh, you know, for our own enjoyment of it. And then once we did Sylvia, and I still do it now with all, you know, I'm, I have a horrendous problem of starting projects and I'll record about three songs and I'll, I'll release that under a, you know, a new project name and I'll never do anything else with that project. I, I, I tried to add up recently. I think in total, if I count like all the projects I've done, I hit like 16 or something of, of just counting ones that I, you know, actually release music with, but obviously you, you know about this, you do a lot of side projects and, and there's that thing of, as you said, sort of lifting the weight of expectations and just doing something that is just for you um but is i don't know is is just completely different to trying to write for something where you have this audience even if it is you know it could be an audience of two people and it would still be enough to make me sort of nervous about like are they are they gonna like this is this sort of is the does this sound like us or does it sound like it should be you know something else under a different name mm -hmm. um it's a it's a bad habit like it really is something that i'm always trying to work against but sometimes the easiest way to get around it is just to say this has this is something with a new name and you know probably no one's going to listen to it anyway so it can sound like anything i want it to and uh you know that really takes the pressure off yeah yeah it's it's um yeah it's funny i mean because i was definitely in i've definitely been in that spot way more than i'd like to admit and the reason why i say it that way is because you'd think as many times I've been in that spot, I would have just fucking learned by now. It doesn't matter, you know what I mean? <laughs> like, I'd, yeah. I'd stop worrying about it. Every time I get into this spot, I'd just realize like, hey, I've been here before, don't worry about it, you know? But like, every time you get there and you're like, uh, because yeah, it's exactly what you said. When you first start it, you're just like doing it for pure enjoyment. You don't have rules for yourself, you know, or uh, or whatever, and you're just you're just like, okay, we're going for it. And then, you get to that point where you're like, oh shit, like people, people like this, you know? And so 
you might reflect on what you've done before and think like, well, I guess if this is what people like about this, then to stray too far from that would be kind of weird or whatever. And, and like, I mean, each, you know, each band can have their own opinion on that, you know? Uh, and I certainly view that differently for different projects I'm in, but, um, mm. but like, yeah, it's, it's just like, I'd been to that point where you just like, fuck it. I'm starting another thing. I don't care. Like three chords. That's it. That's as many as a part's going to have. And then you do it and you're like, wow, that felt like really freeing, you know? And how can yeah, I like, yeah, that's exactly it. Yeah. How can I utilize that energy, you know, th for my other projects, you know, or whatever. And, um, yeah, I don't know. Like in, in, uh, one of my projects, I kind of like, I was just like, oh, actually, um, I did the first one and people liked that and it hit something that I felt like I hadn't personally, um, heard very much. Uh, so I was like, yeah. And then the other one, the second one was kind of by accident, like that I, and I just released it under that cause I just was tired of making up names for bands, you know? <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> And then the third one, I was like, you know what? I want to do something that sounds totally different and I'm going to release it under this name. And, it, you know, it's not been released yet, but it's like, I just, at that point, I was just like, actually, every time I release an album by this project, it's just going to have a different vibe. And then, and we'll see if people even think twice about it. You know what I mean? Because like, yeah, that's that's just from our side, like from other people's perspective, they, it might just sound like another album by that band. It might not even sound different to them. You know, it's like, it's just one of those things. It's like, um, you know, like, uh, what, your newest thing, uh, that I saw anyway, uh, Benji soap stuffer, like, um, oh my gosh. <laughs> you, you compared yeah. that to like, so I forget what comparison you used, but when I put it on, I was like, oh, this is cool. This is like Dinosaur Jr. Like it reminded me a lot yeah, of Dinosaur yeah. Jr. So there's like, there's always that thing, how just like people are going to perceive things differently than you. So it's like, yeah, like, you know, you and Lee thought that Sylvia North was such a, a departure from algae, you know, algae bloom and like in a lot of ways, it obviously is but then like there's people like myself that like i would if you released that as Al algae bloom like i probably wouldn't have batted an eye you know so it's like yeah it's yeah, all about like it. other people's perspective and and to a certain degree as well so that also feeds into what i was saying about like just sometimes we just not not hold things so precious if if it if we want to do it and you know, it feels good, just like go ahead and do it. But, um, you, you notice it very quickly when you talk to someone who doesn't make music in like the very specific niche that we do where, you know, if I'll talk about different music I've done and it's like, you know, this is, this one's like, it's like a screamo thing, but it's kind of like a, you know, it's got like a blackened kind of crust thing. And then, and then this one is like screamo, but it's got like a, you know, a bit of a post rock kind of that sort of, uh, you know, mainland European screamo sound. Mm -hmm. It's like, you talk about that to a normal person and it, it of course it just all sounds exactly the same to them and they yeah. never you know and then you think yeah just it is being so precious about it to like define these things so rigidly I, I you know i enjoy it i enjoy talking about genres and i you know it's a 
always a fun way to find cool new music to you know to be that like granular about the the dimensions of the sound the real like details of it but yeah you just at a certain point you just have to kind of let go and say it's all it's all just punk isn't it like everything we make is like some kind of punk and uh that's sometimes that's good enough as a label yeah yeah it's it's i don't know i i i listened to a uh a uh a podcast about x-men comics a lot now and um it's kind of like this is reminding me of that it's because yeah you can sit there and you can get into the minutiae of like every single story that's ever been written about storm or whatever or you can just enjoy the one that you're listening to you know like yeah and both things are cool it's like like you said being very like particular about like talking about like evolution of like a certain subgenre of a subgenre and like that's all like really interesting and cool to talk about but then at the same time yeah you can just put a record on and listen to it and don't worry about it like you know what i mean um both, yeah you need a mix yeah both things have your have like their their time and place um but yeah uh so you know you said you got started recording by yourself um so like you know to to sort of like uh wrap up i guess we'll do like a like sort of a rapid fire of your of your projects uh so algae bloom uh started in 2016 and um you know i'm assuming that's still going but of course you know of course everything's like up in the air as far as like people being able to get together and stuff right now um then the sylvia north story uh was from december 2017 to may 2018 y'all did six releases there um you did a thing which i actually think i just listened to this for the first time today uh spectral ache um yeah yeah that was uh that was that was a fun one that was a very short-lived project yeah um y'all had a release in 2019 it was uh, very cool um and then in um in 2000 in december 2019 you joined socor am i saying that right no, zocor i think Zocor. it is uh, okay. but yeah you'd have to ask joe okay yeah and um how did you join that band joe just asked you on and you're like yeah this sounds sick yeah, I just moved from uh, from Norwich to Nottingham, uh, which is where Joe lives, and he had, he had started Zocor, I think, uh, really probably like a month before that. And he was doing everything himself, you know. It was, it was I, it really it was kind of like the projects we've been talking about, you know. It was something that he just did himself uh, in his shed, um, and and he sort of very quickly realised that like the songs he was coming up with were really cool, and he wanted to turn it into a proper live band unfortunately that has not happened we've been a band now for <laughs> well <laughs> about a year, a year and a half and we've yet to play a show yeah so, as, um, as, <laughs> as i say december 2019 and and you make and you y'all release that thing and you're like whoa the whole future is ahead of us hell yeah and then <laughs> yeah, look 2020 is gonna be our year yeah yeah no we're, we're still waiting i i hope this summer we'll finally uh play some shows and, and do something with it i've got another uh project that i've done very recently as well which is the first one in a while i've wanted to turn into a live thing i can kind of picture what it'll look like live is is Um, that better never to have been no actually that that is um gonna stay as a a sort of a bedroom project i think although you know i'm not opposed to bringing that one live but the, the most recent thing i did is a band called overton um which is like a kind of a uh 
sort of Jesus lizard slash like oxbow worship kind of thing. It's like a, a weird sort of noisy post hardcore. Uh, it's a bit like like shellac kind of thing as well. Um, and that one I'm, I'm hoping to turn live just because with every band I've ever played, I've played guitar live. Uh, and with this one, I want to just do vocals. And I, I, I want to be the person who starts shit, basically. <laughs> <laughs> We're talking about the, the two hardcore bands. Uh, I, I want to let someone else play all the instruments and I just want to sort of roll around and uh, and do these. The, the vocals in it, I'm doing this kind of like weird sort of a high-pitched uh, yelping, kind of dramatic yelping, like um, uh, if you know the band Juju, it's like uh-huh. halfway to to that kind of like really melodramatic vocals. Um, and yeah, I want I want to do that live, so that's going to turn into something. Hopefully, that and Zokor is uh, that's my summer. Hopefully, yeah. And that was my conversation with Matt Taylor. Thanks so much, Matt, for taking the time to chat with me. Thanks to everyone listening as well. Until next time, take care and do good things.